Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience, featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the September 27th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. Today, I'm joined by Tom Guinan, and he's going to give us a recap of the markets this week. Tom? Sure, Cheyenne. On Friday, December corn closed down one at 371.5, but that is up three quarters of a cent for the week. November beans closed down five and a half today at 883, but that is also up a quarter for the week. Tom, I'm not sure I'd call anything a big story this week. We had some chatter on the U.S.-China front, harvest delays, rain, and potential frosts that may or may not happen the first week of October seem to be bumping the market along this week. It's been a while though since we've looked at the funds position in the grain market, so I thought it'd be good to check in there. As of last Tuesday, that commitment of traders report showed managed money had increased their short position in corn by 34,000 contracts to over 170,000 contracts short. They did the opposite for beans though. They took their short position down almost by half to 48,000 short. So with that, let's kind of jump into the bull bear factors. I think we're a little more on track this week with some market points to talk about. Sounds good, Cheyenne. On the corn side for bull factors, obviously you mentioned it earlier, but we continue to see rain in the forecast, potential for extended harvest delays. I think as this crop maturity continues to run behind, there's just some concern about this cold weather risk and the yield loss in early October, especially in these northern production areas. Again, we kind of go back and forth on this depending on the latest weather forecast, but we'll see how it plays out over the next few days here. What corn producers have been able to haul in is coming in under surprisingly strong basis levels despite large carryout and low demand. Producers are still unwilling to sell, for the most part, which is offering extended support to harvest basis. Looking back at our October-November cash prices a year ago versus this year and maybe some previous years, we're showing that we're 22 to 24 cents higher than last year at this time, 35 to 38 cents higher than in 2017. So quite a big change this year versus last. And as we have gone back and looked at that, it appears that some of that's basis like we've talked about, but also futures are a little bit higher this year as well. From a global perspective, what we see in Australia is a drought extending into its third year that's going to once again impact their wheat production, should shove their uh, export numbers down a little bit, which could impact our U.S. wheat exports and price positively. Since wheat competes with corn for acres and in feed rations, if we see that impacting wheat acres going forward and increase in wheat acres, perhaps that'll push corn acres down a little bit and the corn price would uh, subsequently get a little stronger. On the bear side for corn, Tom, we've been talking about that ethanol production. It's just not really up to what we've been expecting of it and what the USDA has been expecting of it. So low ethanol prices and strong basis levels for corn just to kind of keep hammering on the ethanol market there. That weekly EIA report came out and it showed production is down again. We're at 277 million barrels. Last week it was 295 and we look back and that was the lowest we'd seen since April 2016. So it's even continued to drop further there. And again, stocks declined to 945 million gallons, but overall that's historically high. So again, not a good outlook for the ethanol market anytime soon there. Export demand for corn continues to be low and U.S. corn is high in the global markets. Export inspections this week, those came in at 234,000 metric tons or 
9.2 million bushels. Trade expected that number was going to be somewhere between 400 and 700,000, so way short of even the lower end of expectations there. And again, export sales on the other end of that, so inspections are what actually moved, sales are what's planned to move. That showed just shy of 500,000 metric tons of that new crop corn sold last week. Expectations on that were 600,000, so again, we came up short there. We just keep kind of underperforming on that export side. Right, we just, we can't seem to catch a break on the corn demand market at this point. And again, as always, that large carryout continues to be a problem on the other end of that. It's expected to be the sixth largest crop in U.S. history. We can think, you know, improved genetics and better management practices for that. So we're producing more corn and we're having a little bit of a hard time finding a home for it. You know, I think it used to be the domestic market as far as ethanol and everything was able to kind of help take care of that. But with that struggling and our exports struggling all at the same time, it's just kind of combining to be a perfect storm at this point. So, you know, it's kind of surprising that even with these lower demand issues that that basis is just hanging in there. And I think weather is probably a big contributor to that, both the weather we're experiencing right now and the weather, you know, looking ahead in the next week or two. So on the soybean side for the bull factors, kind of the same thing as corn. There's concerns about this harvest delays due to rain. I know we've seen a few folks going in between some of these rains this week. Seems like a few guys have made some progress, but then the rains will move in and they'll they'll be stopped for a day or two, kind of depending on how much rain they've gotten. On a sidebar to that conversation, make sure you're aware of the moisture discounts where you're delivering your soybeans to. It may not really pay off to push hard and go through these wet beans at this point. Certainly if we were, you know, middle of October, it might make a little more sense, but just be aware of the discounts on those wet beans. On the U.S. and China front, both have released statements that the trade meetings have gone well. China's rumored to have bought somewhere between a half a million metric tons and a million metric tons of U.S. beans for October-December shipment out of the Pacific Northwest, so that's certainly good news. And export inspections have come in better than were expected. The expectation was somewhere between 600 and 900,000 metric tons, and the actual number was 923,000 metric tons, which is just short of 34 million bushels. Tom, on the bear side for soybeans, you know, you mentioned U.S. and China as a bull point, and I'm going to take the other side of that. I, I think we're hearing some mixed reviews on how those trade talks went this last weekend. President Trump indicated he was uninterested in a partial trade deal, and there was talk that the Chinese trade delegation cut their trip short and skipped plans to visit U.S. farms. I heard you maybe heard a little mixed story on that yeah, one. Yeah, I can't remember where I heard it, but I thought I heard there was some... I'll say press conference or something going on where uh, Mnuchin and Trump were briefing the press and Mnuchin said that, well, that's, you know, we had asked the Chinese not to go on the on the farm visits because we wanted to focus on this trade deal and it kind of caught Trump by surprise. So I, I don't know what the whole story is there, but we seem to be getting a lot of conflicting stories out of this whole story. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And I don't think the trade's been extremely motivated on, you know, trading this talk at this point. So we've kind of, you know, we've been looking for a trade deal for over a year at this point. So we're getting a little more conditioned to the chatter, but it is still there. It's still something to think about. You know, talking about China and everything, African swine fever had been a big concern. There is still a big concern there. Up until this point, I think it had been mainly, you know, China, the Philippines, and Vietnam. But we did hear last week, I think there was a case of African swine fever in South Korea. And actually, I think they've confirmed a third case 
of it this week as well. So that's going to continue to be, you know, in the back of our mind is ongoing pressure for these burdensome stocks that we have on the soybean side. You know, our long-term export soybean demand could be affected by all of these cases of African swine fever. It doesn't seem like they've been able to curb it, to stop it. You know, obviously they're doing the best they can as far as controlling it, but still these things are happening. It's still slowly spreading at this point, reaching out to other countries. And, you know, again, biosecurity, all that big concern with keeping it out of the U.S. at this point as well. And then, you know, kind of sticking with that global outlook and everything. Weather in South America at this point is still sounding decent. They've got some rain forecasted in Brazil. Trade's going to be keeping a closer eye on them as they get into their planting and growing seasons there. They're going to be looking for hot, dry weather, anything that could affect the quality or the production of their crops down there. So why does this all matter? The market continues to move as you head out to your combines. We really are going to continue to encourage you to set your offers ahead of time, communicate your marketing plans with your GMA so that we can help you if we get to those levels you're looking for. We'd also like to encourage you to just continue to stay in touch and be in communication with the local elevator. If you change your ideas of what hours you need us to be open, we just would like to hear from you so we're being responsive to your needs. And then finally, Cheyenne, you know, you and I have talked about some emails that we uh, encourage listeners to send in. And we did get one last week from a guy that is involved in farmer education. And I really appreciated that. His comments were about our min-max contract. I think I kind of stopped a little short there in the whole explanation. But with a min-max, one thing you need to be aware of when you're doing that as opposed to a minimum price contract is you are setting a ceiling. So not only are you setting a floor, but you're setting a ceiling. So in our example last week, we were talking about July futures, selling those at 440 when you're buying a 390 call, selling a 440 call. If those July futures were to rally up and through 440, that's as good as you're gonna get because you set that ceiling. If it continues to rally and we go to 450 or 460 or even $5, you're really no better off than you are at 440. So that's that limited risk reward situation we were talking about on that min-max. Again, we appreciate the feedback from a listener, and we would encourage you to continue to send in any comments or questions to us. You can now do that via Twitter using the tag at Landis Cooperative. Thanks, Tom. I think, you know, it's good to know people are listening to those marketing plans and everything, you know, suggestions we have. Again, always a good idea to get more in depth with it with your GMAs too. But we appreciate that people are kind of checking up on us and that we are explaining these things thoroughly. In our what to watch for in upcoming events, that USDA quarterly stocks report is going to come out on Monday. For the last five years, the report has come within 60 million bushels of the average trade estimates. So we don't expect any major surprises. I think we're probably looking for some lower usage numbers there. And then next week is our one year anniversary of the bull bear banter. So I think we might plan a little bit of a, you know, look back from what we've done this last year and everything on that. But that's really, I think, all we have this week. We appreciate everyone joining us for the Bull Bear Banter as part of the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast. Our tagline, bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market, continues to be true. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll both be back with you again next week. Mm